All right, let's uh, open our Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. How you doing? How's your faith? You're supposed to say, I'm glad you asked. Are you really glad that I asked? What we really want to know is, is do you really care? Do people really care? That's, that's what we really want to know, right? Do people really care? You, you know the saying, you know, that people don't care how much you know, but they care what they know till they know. <laughs> Let's start over again. <laughs> people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care, right? I get, did I get that right? People want to know if you care, and that's really what it is. And this is what we're seeing here over and over in this section in the in the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians, that Paul really cared about these people. And, uh, but uh, Paul really cared about the Thessalonians, and he got word back when Timothy returned from there. Paul couldn't go, but he sent Timothy, and it was good news. He heard good news when he, when he came back about their faith and about their love. And he was so encouraged, he said, you know, and now I really live, he said, now that I've heard that you're doing so well, despite his trials, his persecution, his troubles that he was facing. And he said there that, that, that it was because they were standing firm in the Lord. Verse 8, look at verse 8 there. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. And that was the word that he got back from Timothy. And he was so, he was excited about the standing firm in the Lord. Standing firm in the Lord. Is that the kind of report that people would hear about you or I? And... Um, but, but it goes on from there in verse uh, uh, 10. It says, night and day we pray most earnestly. So they also kept praying. Paul and his people kept praying. They didn't say, oh, you're standing firm in the Lord. I can go do other things now. He said they kept praying. Why is that? Why did they keep praying? Because we can always grow, right? We always can grow. We can always learn. We, we always need more. And that kind of theme, I think, is uh, important for us to think about. We always, always need more. <laughs> what did you say? Oh, I'm glad you said that, because I was just faking. Um, what, I, what I want to look at today is, is this blessing. And uh, I want to... Uh, tell you about that, what you just said, so you can know why you said that. And this is from the great authority of Wikipedia, where we get all of our information, right? You say, bless you or God bless you, common English expression, right? And they really don't know the origin of it, but there's a bunch of different possibilities. One is that it came from Pope Perkins V. Now, you all know Pope Perkins V, right? In like AD 590, and there was an outbreak of the bubonic plague, right? And it was reaching Rome. And so in, in hopes of, of fighting off the disease, he ordered prayer and pray, parades of chanters through the streets. And at the time, sneezing was thought to be an early symptom of the plague, right? So the blessing, God bless you, became a common effort to halt the disease. So thank you for helping me to halt that disease. Another explanation, I like this one. People used to, they used to believe that a person's soul could be thrown from their body when they sneezed. 
Thank you for making sure that did not happen to me. I really appreciate that. Or that sneezing opened the body to invasion by the devil or evil spirits. How did, really? Gosh, I didn't know that. So it was some kind of a, a shield against evil. Or the, the sneezing was the body's effort to force out an invading evil presence. You didn't know how important sneezing was, did you? Trust Wikipedia. They know all, they know all the answers. You've probably heard this before. Another legend, quote-unquote, holds the, that the heart stops beating during a sneeze and, the, and that the phrase, bless you, encourages the heart to continue beating. I don't think it's true. But let me finish with this idea. Alternatively, it may be possible that the phrase began simply as a response for an event that was not well understood at the time. Now, this is, let's just say it because we don't really know what a sneeze is, so just say God bless you because we don't know what it is. So maybe that's a good thing to say. It's a good thing to say just because, right? Well, that's what I want to wonder. That's what I want to ask about this idea of the blessing, about blessing people. And what we say is not necessarily biblical when someone sneezes, right? But a blessing is very biblical throughout the Bible. And we'll, we'll talk about that. And this is what we see here in these verses 11 through 13 and so many other places. Let's read verses 11 through 13. Now may... Our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Now, this is a blessing. It's in the form of a prayer. It's like an invocation, but it is a blessing. And, and really, it is from God. Notice he says, may our God, may he do these things. May the Lord make your love. It's from God. It's not, I bless you, but it's may God bless you. And that's what makes it a blessing. May God bless you. And it's, and it's something we're looking to him for. Now, I, I, I wonder, I want to ask you the question, do you ever, do you ever just give people a blessing? Do you ever just give someone a blessing? And you say, well, I don't know if I do, but, but maybe you do. Do you ever say to somebody, God bless you? Just say, God bless you? Say that to the person next to you. It's really, it, it, just, just say, God bless you. You know, we, we think it's so hard to do, but is it really that hard to do? It's really not that hard to do. It's very simple. And I think you just have to try it. You know, you're talking to some uh, you know, telemarketer on the phone. And you say, listen, I really don't want to hear anything you have to say, but God bless you. <laughs> or some customer service person that, you know, you're, you're trying to get this problem worked out. Or maybe it's just someone who you saw at the store. Or maybe a neighbor, or maybe a friend, or maybe a family member. Is it really that hard to say, God bless you? And, and the question is, does it do anything? Well, I think it does. And I think biblically it does. You know what they say, though. They, they, they say, if you can't say anything good, then what? 
don't say anything at all. But, but, you know, a lot of times we don't even say something good. The word benediction, which is another word for this kind of a passage, means good speaking. Good speaking. So to say something good, and, and you know what? I don't care what people think personally. Uh, well, they might be offended if I say, God bless you. Well, so what? But they might also be blessed by that, you see. Now, how many of you got a card as you came in? You got a card like this. Some of you? Everybody should have gotten two. Did you all get two? Count them. Okay, you were supposed to get two, um, but that's okay. The reason I wanted you to get two is because I wanted you to keep one for yourself, and I wanted you to have one to give to someone else. You see, because if you look on the back, what does it say there? Look at that verse there. On the back of this card it says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Now that is, a, that is an incredible blessing, is it not? So you take this card and you can just give it to somebody. Now what's interesting to me about this and why I believe that when you say God bless you or when you bless somebody, it is, it is powerful is because the context of these verses, let me read to you what it says just before and just after. Just before these verses in Numbers, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, and then it quotes these verses. And then right after these verses, it says, So they will put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. Is that incredible or what? So I will bless them. They will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. When you say God bless you, someone, you're putting the name of God upon them. You say, well, they don't know who God is. Well, well, that doesn't matter. You do. And God knows who he is, right? And says, I will bless them. I will bless them. So you, so you have a, a simple card like this. Now, you can just give this to someone. You don't even have to say anything. You can. You can say, well, I got, a, I got this card. It's just about our church, okay? And I'm really nervous and embarrassed to give you a card, but here it is anyways. And on the back there is a blessing. You can just read that, you know, when you have some time, when you have a spare minute. Do you think they'll read it? I think they will. And not only that, you're putting the name of the Lord upon them. You're putting God's blessing upon them. And he says, I will bless them. That's what he says. Go back and read it. Don't just take my word for it. Go back and read that passage. Not right now, but later in Numbers chapter 6. Oops. So to say God bless you, to say God be with you, very biblical. When dying, when dying uh, Jacob blessed his sons and his grandsons. He put a blessing on them. Uh, Joshua blessed the people of Israel. Over and over you find this throughout the Bible. You could do a study on it. Uh, what did Jesus say? He said, love your enemies and bless them that curse you. So not just the people that you like, but even bless those that, that don't like you. Don't you love that passage in, 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 the, in the Gospels where it says Jesus took the children in his arms and he put his hands on them and he blessed them. That's powerful. That is powerful. G Jesus to bless people. Now he's not here physically, but you and I are the body of Christ and you and I can bless people by simply saying, God bless you. Now, we're not trying to keep their spirit from coming out of their body when they sneeze or anything weird like that. We're just saying, God bless you. 
I, I, you know, I, I try to do that. And, you know, it's amazing sometimes responses you get. Some, that some people say, well, God bless you too. About half what I find. And it might even be, you know, somebody at the phone company or somebody at, you know, uh, whatever. And, 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 and the other half just go like, you know, they don't know what to say. But that's okay. You think they're going to remember that? Hey, the guy said, God bless you. And I didn't even sneeze. Another interesting passage, um, when Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, right? Before, you know, he, he was crucified for the sins of all the earth, sins of all mankind. He was, he was uh, buried. He was in the grave for three days. He rose from the dead, right? And then what did he do? It says that later he ascended into heaven, right? This is interesting. Listen to this. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. The last thing he did on earth was to bless the people. And then, verse 52, the response says, Then they worshipped him. And they went to Jerusalem with great joy. They worshipped him. They responded to this blessing. You kind of get the point of what I'm saying here? And we haven't even looked at what the blessing is here in this passage, but, but I think practically speaking for you and I just to say, you know what? There's enough, there's enough evil in the world already. There's enough people that, you know, that are enough problems. You read the news, you, you see the news. There's enough bad stuff going on already. Can I just bring a little something good? A benediction, good speaking. Can I bring something good into this life, into this world, for the people that are around me? I believe that we can. I really do. I believe that you and I can make a difference by simply saying some simple words. Words are powerful. So Paul's blessing in his prayer here, let's look at it again. Verse 11, start there. Really, there's three different, three different points, three different... Uh, things that he looks at here. And verse, verse 11 is the first one. He says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. So that's kind of like a prayer, but it's a blessing too, because in Paul's eyes, this was very important. And, and the idea was fellowship. He's been talking about it already. He said, I really wanted to come and see you face to face. And for Paul, what a blessing that would be for him to actually be together face to face be with people, you know, the outreach we did yesterday, you know, it put us face to face with people and that's, that's special. That is very special. Let's not ever take it for granted that, that we can be together and, and look one another in the eye and see one another's faces, shake hands, maybe give a hug. I'm not a huggy kind of person, most of you know that already, but you know, there's sometimes when you just got to give someone a hug, okay? Now, I'm not going to make you stand up and give someone a hug. <laughs> Just so don't get worried about that. But there is something in Paul. For Paul, it's like the, the idea of fellowship, you know, this is a blessing to be together. Not, we're not here because we have to be here. It's because we want to be here, because we, we need to be here. But there's something that happens when we get together. There's something that happens when we break bread together, when we have communion together, when we... Uh, fellowship and just talk and maybe uh, have a meal together when we sit around God's word and, 
and when we get together. It's an idea that it, for Paul is over and over. At the end of his writing, many of his letters, he talks about the people that he had met, that he had gotten to know. So if it, it's a blessing for the Thessalonians. It's a blessing for Paul, and I believe it's a blessing for us too, for us to be together. The second one there found in verse 12, he says this, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. The second, the second blessing, the second part of this prayer, this prayer blessing is love. And he says, may the Lord do it. Now, the kind of love you, you, most of you know, you've, you, you know what the, the type of love that uh, is talked about most frequently in the New Testament is this agape love. And someone defines it like this, selfless love that comes from God, such love looks out for the best interests of those loved. Agape love is this others-centered love. Gail Irwin talks about the Jesus style, and one of his main points is that it was other-centered. The Jesus style of Jesus is that he was always caring about others, and that's what this agape love is. And he's saying, now make... Now may the Lord make your agape love increase and overflow for each other. This agape love, this increasing and overflowing love for each other and for everyone else, not just those people that you like, not the, just the people here, but, but actually, I, you mean I got to love the people out there too? I mean, I, I, you know, I kind of love these people here a little bit, sort of. You know, but it's only because I have to, but I really don't have to love the people out there, right? I, I, why should I? But that's not what he says here, is it? It's, it's increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. Increase and overflow. Again, what I said earlier about more. Can we, can we get more? Is it, is it possible to get more? I mean, do we have enough? Can you tell me right now that you have enough? But, you know, I have enough now of that love stuff, really. Uh, you know, I, can it, the truth is, can it ever be enough? Can it ever be enough? One person said this, if we're full of God's love, it will overflow to others, and our love should be growing continually. You know what? We, we need to learn how to, how to let that agape love grow in us, and, and, and not only grow in us, but then come out of us and overflow to others, right? Is that true? It's not just something you just keep in, your, in, in, in yourself. You know, we, we understand that God loves us. God so loved the world, and God loves me. And it's that agape love. You know, he sent his only son to the earth to pay the price to die for me. God loves me. So I'm just going to bottle that all up in myself and just keep it to myself. That's not, that's not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to come inside me, and then, wow, God loves me, but he loves you too. Now, I have a little object lesson here that I want to show you because I'm kind of thirsty. But this is a glass, right? It's like a vessel, right? And it's, it's, uh, it's pretty clean. But it's empty, right? There's nothing in there. It's just dry. Any of you thirsty? I'm feeling really thirsty right now. Hold on a second. I'm just going to get a little bit here. I'm really kind of thirsty. Mmm. So I feel much better now. I don't know about you, but it, it's kind of empty again, though. 
right? Because it got used. It got used up. Now, some of us are like this where, you know, we, we got, you know, we're just, some of us are just dry. And if I asked you to raise your hands at each one of these, and you, some of you could say, you know what, I'm so dry right now, I got nothing. I am so dry right now. But what is Paul's blessing? He's saying, now may the Lord make you, make your love increase and overflow. But, but some of you, maybe you're saying, you know, I got a little bit here. I got just enough, just enough to get through the day, just enough to love my wife. Oh, wait, I need a little bit more for that. <laughs> and uh, my kids, oh, I need a little bit, that's for sure, I need more. And the people in church, man, just, I, yeah, I need a little bit more for that. And, and uh, you know what, then we, we kind of, we have it there, but it's still not coming out yet. It's, it's there. And I think a lot of us is like that. It's there, but it's not really coming out yet. Uh, you know, we, we, every now and then we get bumped and it kind of spills out, right? And, oh, I had to love them because, you know, I, I kind of spilled a little bit there. But, but what he's saying in this, in this passage, I think, is that we're like vessels and it's God's love. It's agape love. But he wants, to, he wants this, this love to be pouring in and we get filled and, and, and just get to the point where we're, where it's starting to overflow to get on the carpet and uh, to, so it's like spilling out to other people. Now that, that's kind of interesting because it's not very neat, is it? It's kind of, it's actually kind of messy. But I, you know, sometimes I think we, we think we need to be all very proper and very, you know, why can't we just love each other? And, and it, it might cost something. It might make us uncomfortable. But so what? How many lives do you have to live? You people in, into reincarnation don't answer because I don't think you're right. We have one life to live, right? And, and he says that, that your love, may God make your love increase and overflow and overflow. I like another statement I heard from Gail Irwin. He says, you know, we get filled with God's spirit, he says, but then we need to be refilled. Why? Because we leak. And this cup doesn't leak, but, you know, sometimes we leak. And, and really, I think what he's saying is that it spreads out to others, and so we need to get refilled again, right? And maybe today, um, you and I are in some of these different categories, and we need, to just, we need to be that vessel, and we need to say, God, you know, I, I need more. I need more of you. I need you to, to fill me up because I really, you know, I, I just, I just want to be filled. I want to be full. I want to be able to, to love people the way you love people. And, and uh, I think that's what God wants to do. Anybody got a towel? Just kidding. You know, Sometimes, and I, and I should have shown you this in the middle, but sometimes we got that cup and we got something covering the cup so God's love can't even get in there to fill it up. What kinds of things would that be? Bitterness, maybe, or anger, or fear. But you know what? Love is, is probably the most important thing in this world. And what people are looking for most of anything else in the world is just a little bit of love that, that to know that someone loves you, to, to know that God loves you. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote these words. He says, to love at all is to be vulnerable, 
love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one. Sometimes that's kind of where we're at. I'm afraid to love anybody. I don't really want to open my life to anybody because it's going to hurt. Someone else said this, though. He said, we can risk loving like God does, for we know that the love God makes possible is no scarce resource that must be hoarded. You ever see that hoarding show? It's not a scarce resource that must be hoarded so that it may be distributed in dribs and drabs, a little here, a little there. He says, love is not a rare commodity. Rather, the more we love with the intense particularity particularity of God's love, the more we discover, (laughs) thanks Dave, (laughs) the more we discover that we have the capacity to love. In other words, the more we give out, you know, we we can't be stingy with it because the more we give out, the more we allow God's love to come in and and work through us and in us, the more he gives to us. So my my point in all this, and I, I, you know, we sing an old song, an old worship chorus, more love, more power, more of you in my life, because because that's what, that's what we want. We want more love. We want more power. We want more of God in, in my life, in your life. To increase and overflow. That's what he says here. To increase and overflow. Look at chapter 4, verse 10 for a second. I want to uh, show you a couple of verses he wrote in, in, in this context now. In verse 10 he says, And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. He's not saying, well, you don't love anyone. He says you do, but you know what? Do it more. Love more and more. And then look in 2 Thessalonians chapter uh, 1. 2 Thessalonians, just the next page over, chapter 1 and verse 3. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. The love that every one of you has for each other is increasing. If we're not increasing, you know the saying, if we're not going forward, what what are you doing? You're going backwards. We need to be increasing. We need to be going forward. We need to to be asking God, Lord, help me. You know, I, I... I, I need more. I need more of you in my life. And, and of course, we know that if we have more of God in our lives, we have more love because God is love, right? The love that every one of you has for each other is increasing. So, the second point there, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. If we, have, if, we, if we don't have any love coming out of our lives, if we don't have any love that's coming in and through us, what did Jesus say? They'll know you're Christians, what? By your love, the love you have for one another. But I really don't want to take any time. I really don't want, you know, I just want, I, this is all I want. I want this much and no more. I don't really want to get, you know, all touchy-feely, all that weird stuff, love, 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 you know. Agape love, thinking about the other person. This is what the Word of God is telling us that He wants to do through us. And you know what? Love changes the world. Love changes the world. Love changes me. And love changes you. 
Third and final point there, verse 13, he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, May he... I like, I like the, the attitude of Paul writing these because he's not saying, listen, you need to do all this yourself. No, may the Lord do this. May the Lord bring us together. May the Lord make our love increase and overflow. And may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. May he strengthen your hearts. Now, you know, we have a choice. You know, this thing about bodybuilding, you know, I, I, I'm pretty much a bodybuilder. And, uh, <laughs> well, this thing about bodybuilding versus heart building. And, and uh, I should have, like, stuffed some stuff in my shirt and showed you how, you know, been out bodybuilding. But, but, but Paul said to Timothy these words. He says, physical training is of some value. It's good. He said, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and life to come. It's more important. It's, bodybuilding is good, but it's more important to see the Lord working to strengthen our hearts and, and, and make our hearts strong. Now, can I do that for myself? No, I have to cooperate with him, but it's the Lord that's going to do it. Lord, my heart is so weak. But I want to submit and I want to surrender to you to, to work in my heart and give me the strength that I need just to get through this day, just to get through this life, through, through the job that I have, through the, you know, the situation that I'm in. I, God, strengthen my heart. And this is what Paul is saying. May the Lord strengthen your hearts. And what comes out of it in this particular verse is that, that they would be blameless and holy in the presence of, of our God when, when Jesus returns. Turn back with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In verse 8 and 9, what does he say there? He says, He, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Verses 8 and 9. He. Who? He. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. You see, it's not about my works. It's about trusting Him. And, and He is faithful. He is going to make you strong. Paul says, may the Lord strengthen your heart so you'll be blameless and holy. It's something that God will do, and God is faithful, and He will do it. He will complete it. He will make it happen. It's not about me on a self-help mission, but it's surrendering to Him and, and, and realizing that God is faithful. He will keep you strong to the end. So while we're here, while we're living for Him, while we wait for his return, you know, there is kind of a motivation, I think, to, to live for him and, and, and to say, God, strengthen me because you are coming back and I want to live for you now. I don't, I don't want to be just, you know, doing all this weird stuff. Warren Wearsby said the return of Jesus Christ, it, it motivates the believers to live a holy life. But, but again, even for us to do that, we need him to help us do that. 
Turn back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says it again here in this book. He says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. May your whole spirit, soul, and body keep be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's powerful stuff, isn't it? Who's going to do it? God's going to do it. Say, well, you know, I don't have very much faith. Well, he said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, the tiniest, tiniest bit of faith, God can do a work in your life. You don't have to be a superhero to be extraordinary. That's, that was the theme of our week at uh, West Bay this last week. Just being what God has made you to be, who God has made you to be, just, just using that little bit of, of faith that you have, trusting Him that, God, you're going to get me through. God, you started the work, you're going to finish it. John says these words that when he appears, that is Jesus, continue in him so that when he appears, we, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. And later he says, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and everyone who has his hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Looking for his return, yes. But knowing that we need the blessing of God upon our lives to be all that he wants us to, to be. Let's look at the passage one more time. We're going to prepare to have communion. He says, Now may our Lord, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. Number one, fellowship. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. Love. And may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. May he strengthen our hearts. It starts from the very depths of who we are. Let's pray together, shall we?